You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Family, I want to encourage you sometime when you are studying the Word, reading the Word. Many of us today have modern concordances on our devices that can do quick searches and just look up how often in the Word of God you see the words, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Fear has been the tactic of the enemy to neutralize faith. Remember when Peter was walking on the water I mean, he had faith to walk on the basis of Jesus saying, come. But when he saw the wind and the wave, he started to sink. And Jesus was responding, why did you fear? Why did you fear? Because you're capable of walking on the water by grace, by faith, trusting God. The only thing that ever stops us in life from whatever God's called us to do is going to be the fear of the unknown. Fear of the unseen. Fear of that which is not seen. But hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The God evidence, if I can put that in there. Of things not seen. And so instead of focusing on what the enemy is trying to get you to focus on, those things not seen. Let's focus on what God has in store for us. And you notice how the opening words of the angel are, do not fear. I want you in a place of faith to hear what's about to be released. Fear can't receive what we're about to say. But I'm realigning you so that you are able to get what is being declared here. Do not fear. Fear, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Let's read out verse 14 together. Ready? Read. Glory to God 
in the highest. Family, you do know that when the angels said this, they weren't giving a cute line for a Christmas card. This was a declaration from heaven. Angels are messengers of God. Uh, it's, it's known from the Bible, from the Word of God, it is so that we've learned how to recognize the voice of God is that God speaks to us within our spirits. And He leads us by our spirit. But it's very often what you're hearing in your spirit may well be delivered by an angel. Angels, that's who they are. They, the very word means a messenger, one that's come with a message. And so the angels carry the word of God, and they will speak to you. They will declare things to you. I know of a testimony of a man of God who somebody in the service saw the angel standing behind him, and they would notice that he would be preaching and you know, sometimes you'll notice sometimes a preacher will get going and then kind of slow down. And then all of a sudden, boom, from nowhere, there's inspiration. It seems like from nowhere. But this person was saying what would happen is the speaker would start to drift, you know, kind of slow down in what he was saying or kind of looks like you're about to change gear. And this angel would just lean down and whisper in his ear and boom, he would take off again. And he wasn't even aware that was happening. It was just by inspiration you hear the word of God. Angels are messengers. And yeah, this messenger has arrived with an amazing word from God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward man. If you have something that you're underlining with or you're highlighting in your book or whatever, is I want you to look at verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be, circle the word, to, to all people. Highlight the word to, underline it, however you mark your Bible. Will be to all people. Now look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Circle the word toward you see, the impression that generally people have if they don't know God and don't understand the kingdom of God, and even those that aren't saved that buy Christmas cards with that verse in it, they think it's a time where, you know, everybody's supposed to be kind to one another. Like, this is one day in the year that we need to be kind to other people. And, I mean, they choose one day based because it's Christmas now, we're going to try and get together, and that's where you see families come together and they do their best to stay kind to each other. But, you know, once they've eaten too much and they've drank a little too much, then all of a sudden, all the stuff of the year, that's the reason why we don't see each other through the year. Now they're arguing. Now they're fighting. Before you know it, everyone's slamming doors and cars and everyone goes home and they say, that's why we don't have to ever see those people again. And then they leave it for another whole year. And then once again, they hear the words, kindness and goodwill amongst men. You know, it's like we should be kind to one another and they give it another shot. Family of God, that's not what the angel was saying. It's not, this is a day we, we must be kind to each other, which is we should be. But notice the wording that they used is that kindness 
toward men. Toward men. Now, now when you say goodwill toward men, it's not saying kindness, goodwill. Everyone say goodwill. Now notice, great joy to people. Well, where's joy come from? The joy of the Lord is my strength. You wouldn't know joy unless you're born again. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Before this moment, yeah, is people would experience an element, an emotion, but it's not really joy. You can stir up happiness. You can be happy in a moment. But have you know, a circumstance can change that happiness in an instant. Happiness is very fickle. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So evidently, until someone's born again, they'll never experience joy. They weren't saying it's time for you to have joy. They were saying that God has now come to bring joy to men. Bring joy to men. Goodwill toward men. Why? Why would they be saying that? Well, family of God, you remember that in the Garden of Eden, God had created Adam, and He created him in His very own image and gave him the same capabilities by blessing him to be fruitful, to multiply and fill the earth, to subdue and take dominion. And He handed creation over to Adam. Well, as a result of that, the enemy came in and tried to destroy that. And what he did is he tempted the man and drew him away from the presence of God. Do you really need God? The only reason God doesn't want you to know the knowledge of good and evil is because if the day you know it, you'll be just like him. What's he saying? You don't really need God. You don't really need God because if you can understand things the way God understands them, then you don't need to be Him. You don't need to know Him. You could be just like Him. And God is really afraid of you ever becoming like Him. Notice He was trying to use the very source of faith that Satan works in death. Fear is nothing but faith in death. And death is a person. Satan is living in death, if you can put it that way. There is no life in him, even though he's a spirit being that exists. And so he wants to use and accuse God of having that fear, that God's worried about you being like him. But hang on, didn't God say right at the beginning, the very first words that we understand that, that, that as he was going into creation is, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God's greatest desire is for you to experience His life and to experience the world the way He experiences it. When Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to Father except by Him. He said the thief is what comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have Life, that life more abundantly, that very word life is the word zoe, it's the life as God has it. God wants us to enjoy life the way He has it. And so what was stolen that day was that presence of God, the life of God, the joy of God, 
And man was plunged into death, into fear, into the curse. But how you know that God will never leave it that way? God is not wanting to leave his man that way. From that day on, there was this constant war between God, between heaven and man, between heaven and earth. And God constantly having to address different people, bring to them his good news every time he spoke to them. This is who I am. I am, and he introduced himself with a name, Jehovah, and then a second part to that name, whether it's Raphael or Shema or Tzitkanu, you name it. Every single word that he ever spoke about his name, spoke about him being a healer, a provider, a protector, always there. He is your righteousness. He is ever present. It wasn't like religion is man trying to find God and trying to get God involved with us again. No, God is constantly trying to get back in. And the only reason the law was ever written, even though Paul said it was a law that produced death because no one could ever keep the law. But what God was doing is establishing standards that if you at least do this, then I'll have permission to come into your life. I'll be able to come and bless you, even though you don't deserve it. I'm trying to find avenues and ways and, and reasons and methods. But I have a plan. I have a plan. Hallelujah. See, God's desire, if you go to Ezekiel 36, have a look at verse 16. Family of God, if you can get what's going to come out of this next portion of Scripture, I want to prepare you for it so that you're ready to receive it. Because if you get what God is saying here, it'll change your whole outlook on how you see God forever. And you'll experience all the goodness and the blessings and the power and the grace of God in far greater dimensions than you ever have before. Look at verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for the idols with which they had defiled it. Think about this. I mean, they were in slavery and they saw God's mighty hand deliver them, took them through a wilderness for 40 years. They never went hungry. They were never thirsty. They always had shade in the middle of the heat of the day in a desert. God brought them through a, a, a sea that opened up before them, took them across a river, Jordan, that opened up before them, conquered enemies, and they, I mean, they've seen God move powerfully over and over and over and over and over again, and yet rejected Him and turned from Him and turned to idols. Can you imagine that? The person that helps you and protects you and looks after you, then you turn around and I don't need you anymore. And this is what God was dealing with here. And he says in verse 19, So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of His land. Now if God was anything like a human, 
That would have been the place where you say, well, if you don't want me, then you don't deserve me. I can go find another people that might appreciate me. Verse 21, but I love it when God buts. You've heard me say it many times before, but for the sake of those that haven't heard it, you know but wipes out everything in front. You're a great person. I love you. You're kind. You're nice. You know, I appreciate you, but all of that just disappeared because you want to know what the but means. Isn't that right? So when God says, yes, a real serious issue, but you're, you're about to find the heart of God. He's saying you deserve to be wiped out. You, you don't deserve me. You, 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 you're doing everything to reject me. Surely all I need to do now if you reject me is turn around and walk away. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. Sometimes we feel we don't deserve what God has in store for us. But He wants you to know, I'm not doing it because you deserve it. I'm doing this for my name's sake. Why would God love someone like me? For His own name's sake. See, the devil wants to point out everything you've done wrong. He wants to point out why you don't deserve. Look what you did last week and look how you dealt with that person and look how you said over here and do you really deserve it? A lot of people struggle to get into the things God has for them. Be it whether he wants to bless them with a house. I don't think I deserve that. Come on. Feel like you've got to always work for everything. I've got to work. I've got to earn that thing. No, God never asked us to earn. He, he, wants, he wants the world to know He is a good God. He's put His own name on the line. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, verse 22, but for my holy name's sake. You've profaned it amongst the nations wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned amongst the nations, which you profaned in their midst, and the nations will know I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Now, yeah. For I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all countries and I will bring you into your own land. 
Now, family, we know that yeah, he's talking to the children of Israel, and their land was a physical, you know, geographical place on the planet. But how do you know we have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and gathered into the kingdom of His dear Son? And the land we are in is everywhere you are. Look. He's taken all of us from every tribe, every creed, every nation, every tongue, every type of people. And he brought us. He says, I'm going to draw you into your land. (laughs) Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness. And from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone. That hardness. That bitterness. That out of your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments. And you will do them. Not because the law says so. Because I'm within you. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Oh, come on. Yes, God prophesying of a time, no matter how much you think you're in war with me, I want you to know I have a plan to get you back. And so God declares it right there in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, he speaks to the serpent, the enemy, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's God saying here? I am sending one to the earth. Why would he say the seed of a woman when we know that every one of us were fertilized in our mother's womb by the seed of a man? The seed of a woman is the word that came out of her mouth. It's the word given to her by God that you shall conceive a son and call him Emmanuel, God with us. How can this be? For I have not known a man. I do not have any seed. But then the angel says, the Lord God will overshadow you. And he shall be your seed. Jesus is the word. The word is seed declared out of the mouth of Jesus. And so the moment she said, according to what you have said, let it be, that seed ignited within a womb and a body was conceived so that God in his spirit could move into that body and be God as man. 
born to a woman. And his purpose for being born was to crush the head of Satan. For this reason have I come, to destroy the work of the enemy. Jesus came for one reason, to die. He was given a body so that blood could flow in his veins to pay the price. How was this going to happen? Well, God even prophesied it there. The seed of the woman, this person, he, you're going to strike at his heel. He's going to crush your head. Well, what do you use to crush his head with? The heel. You're going to strike at his heel. In other words, the very thing you use, you got to get this. The very thing you use that you think you're going to destroy him with is what he will turn and use to destroy you. That's why the Word of God tells us in Galatians chapter 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become for us a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Family of God, something about the kingdom of God, if you get this revelation, it will also transform your life. Everything that happens has to have a seed. It has to be declared before it will take place. God knew that Jesus had to be crucified. The Bible says he was crucified before the foundation of the world. But you notice when he said that is that the purpose for him dying on the cross was so that the blessing could be reaccessed to be given back to man. But for the blessing to be accessed, the curse had to be absorbed. But how does a righteous being, how does one who's never sinned, how does the Holy One, God Himself, get to a place of being cursed? He cannot see. Adam was cursed because he sinned, because he turned against God. Jesus was never going to do that. So how do we get Him to a place of being cursed? And God in His wisdom looked down through the ages and He snuck it in there. Deuteronomy 21 verse 23. And when you go read it, it seems like it's got nothing to do with the crucifixion whatsoever. It's, 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 it's a sentence lost in a whole statement about man and their sin and what will happen. And it talks about the hanging of the man. And then there's one line. For it is written... If a man is hung on a tree, he is a cursed man. And God wrote it in there and hid it away. It's a mystery. Because God had to have legal permission to get this curse onto Jesus. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's a Hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages, for what reason? For our glory. 
God had you in mind. He wasn't going to leave you in a curse. He was gonna leave, wasn't going to leave you in that place of sin. He wanted to restore your spirit. He wanted to save you and give you a new spirit. And he hid it for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil knows how to read the word the way we do today, he would have picked up on that verse and said, oh, whoa, 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 just one thing, don't ever put him on a tree. But you see, he didn't see that. When Jesus, when the time came for him to be crucified, he was born to die. And when he gave of his life, he literally made a choice to bow down and submit himself to death. No one takes my life except I lay it down. And he lay his life down and Satan was so shocked. And that's part of the reason. I don't have time to go into the full detail of it. Why was Jesus born during a Roman occupation? It was strategic because the Romans were using the crucifix as their form of execution. And the easiest way to get someone executed was just accuse them of something and get them on a cross. And so even when Pontius Pilate was saying, I find no guilt in this man, and he's washing his hands to say, I I'm not going to be a part of this. They're saying the easiest way to get him dead is Satan's going Satan's to just get him crucified, get him crucified. What he doesn't realize what he was saying is get him on a tree. Because if you get him on the tree, <laughs> it was hidden. And if the enemy had any insight to that, he would never have gone through with it. But in his frenzy, I've got this man, I've got this man, I can silence him. He's causing so much trouble with all, what is, is, if, if I can just shut him up, get him onto a cross. And before the day was out, he is crucified and he's up on a cross. It is written. He who hangs on the tree. Jesus was positioned by the mystery of God. And all of a sudden, he becomes the curse. Not because of his sin, but because the word declared him cursed. Simply because he was hung on a tree. That's why he had to have a body. To absorb everything that the enemies ever tried to throw at man. And in that moment... He died. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. No one. According to the flesh. When you look at somebody, you don't start deciding how you're going to treat them based on what you see. Why is that? Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. If anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new spirit. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself 
through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now listen to this. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What's God saying? I'm not bringing you back because of what you've done. I'm bringing you back for my name's sake. And he did it in Christ. Family, Christmas is the message of reconciliation. It was God saying, I am showing goodwill to you, even though you don't deserve it. That's the reason I'm sending my son, because from this day on, I'm sending joy to you. So that you can be reconciled to me. Hallelujah. That's the father's heart. And notice it says, not imputing their trespasses to them. What's that mean? He's not holding their sin against them. How can God do that? Everybody's sin. Surely you should be judged for your sin. No, Jesus bore it on that cross. He bore every sin. He bore the judgment. It would be illegal of God to judge the same thing twice. Well, then how come people are going to hell? We all were going to hell because we were all sinners. And we would have died by going to hell. God's not sending anybody to hell. It's through unbelief, rejecting the gift of Christmas. But the day you get this knowledge and you have revelation, God reached out to you and you say, I see it now. It's not because of me. I can't even work my way back. You want me just because you are God. And I choose to believe that. Then he doesn't hold that sin against you. Let anybody look in his direction say, I believe God says, that's him. I got him back. And that's all he needs to know is if he can just find one more person that dares to look in his direction. Family, that's all that you and I need to do. Stop trying to charge people for their sins. Stop trying to hold their wrongdoings against them. We need to be these ambassadors as you see in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Verse, Romans 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't deserve it. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. I mean, there are people that today say, I don't care how good you are, I'm not dying for you. That, that, that's good people. That's what he's saying here. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, 
Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Not only that, we also rejoice, <laughs> rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we've received the reconciliation. Family of God, the message of Christmas is reconciliation. God coming out of heaven to man, saying the war is over. I'm bringing joy to you. Goodwill, my goodwill to you. That's what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 9 verse 6. Unto us a child is born, but in that a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You and I are born into that government, the kingdom of God. Merry Christmas. Come on, give the Lord Jesus praise. Let's stand together. Just lift your hand and we're going to give a declaration of thanksgiving. Father, thank you. Say it with me. Father, thank you. You have been so good to us. We rejoice in all that you have for us. You sent your son to this earth as demonstration of your goodwill toward us. And we receive that. We receive your joy and we receive your peace. We are born again. Spirit of your spirit, a new spirit, and of the increase of that kingdom, there will be no end. The increase of peace. And today, we stand here as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, that we can carry this message to all, far and wide, and give them the good news the gospel of reconciliation. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate the gift of Christ. We celebrate it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.